0: in this kind of era of quantitative easing, low interest rates, money printing, the store values in something where it's very hard to create and you know there can only be a certain amount created. This is Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from Coin Compass. We're Bitcoin advisors and educators supporting business and individual investors to safely buy, manage, and control their private keys, Bitcoins. This podcast is strictly educational and is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Full disclaimer in the show notes and at the end of this episode. G'day
1: everyone, welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your illustrious hosts Gordon and I've got Faris here with me. Unusually we're actually in the same location at the moment, which is unbelievable. Secret undisclosed location as it is. So today we're going to have a look at Bitcoin versus gold, because everyone in the Bitcoin community says that Bitcoin is gold 2.0, but what does that actually mean? What is the difference between Bitcoin and gold?
0: Hey Gordon, good to be here with you in Melbourne. I'm not as discreet about where we are as you are. (laughs) I won't give the specific address or anything. (laughs) Um, All right. Difference between Bitcoin and gold. So obviously there's a lot of differences and some people get quite hung up on using or on comparing Bitcoin to gold. Um, The only reason I compare them is because it just helps in understanding what Bitcoin is. Um, There's a lot of differences between the two. (laughs) Many. One you can actually physically hold, the other you can't. So Yeah, that's the only reason in previous podcasts and some of the talks, discussions that I do is I talk about gold just so we can understand something. And that's just part of um, especially the English language is how do you explain something by coming up with a common factor that we understand. So for me, to help people understand what Bitcoin is, I compare it to gold just to help them yeah, really come to terms with what is this whole Bitcoin phenomenon. So that's where I'm coming from.
1: So what I think it would be helpful for me and for other people is to go through the traditional properties of gold and let's compare them to Bitcoin. So if you look at the first one, we talk about this thing called a medium of exchange. So what is a medium of exchange and what's the difference between gold and Bitcoin?
0: So a medium of exchange is basically to make it simple to trade. So if we go back several thousands of years and say I I grew wheat and you hunted or you caught fish and we'd exchange my wheat for your fish. Um, And then we just came up with, in essence, a currency to make that transaction a lot simpler. So that's a medium of exchange. So gold has been a medium of exchange for a very long time. It's not used as that anymore, simply because we've come up with paper currency, we've come up with banking systems, because you don't be carrying around gold coins in your pockets, ingots, bars, it just became an inconvenience compared to everything that we use these days. Bitcoin was designed to actually be a medium of exchange, it's called a peer-to-peer currency. You don't have to have a bank account, and you can send Bitcoin right now from anyone to anyone in the world, and all they need is a mobile phone um, or just even access to a 2G network. Um, And when you consider that of the 7 billion people in the world, half of those adults don't have access to a bank account, but there are as many mobile phones as there are people, Bitcoin is actually a more convenient and even more secure medium of exchange than not just gold, but even the traditional banking system. Okay, so
1: I think what would be helpful to me as a non economics person who hasn't really studied it is going back to the medium of exchange. I'm fishing, so I'm obviously catching fish, and you're uh, farming and you're doing, say, um, wheat, producing that perhaps into other products. What is the medium of exchange? And for example, if I want to do some trading with you back in the past, I might not want your meat. So I've got fish. You might not even want my fish. So what's the mean of
0: exchange? Like what, how would
1: that work with this example?
0: So let's say, all right, you didn't want my grains and I didn't want your, and I wanted your fish. So I would give you, um, say, and let's just keep using gold as the example. Um, I would give you gold. You could then go to someone else and buy some nets with that gold because they might not want migraines either, but they'll want your gold. So medium of exchange basically just became a way of saying this is a one currency that everyone wanted. And we've had very different mediums of exchange used. We've had gold, we've had silver, copper. We even had silks and spices used as mediums of exchange because at one point everyone wanted those. Um, And probably... (sighs) without going too much into the weeds, but there's intrinsic value in those because all right, even if you didn't want a gold coin, you could melt it down, use it as a fork, a spoon, or an arrowhead, um, a spearhead. So you same with silks and spices. You could wear them, cook with them. So they had a value beyond just transferring between parties in exchange for trade. So that's when we replaced just actually exchanging commodities and tangible goods, to exchanging them for something that we then deemed cash. Because that cash could then be transferred to anyone else. And we had no central banks back then, didn't have interest, that kind of stuff. But those commodities, gold, silver, copper, silk, um, could actually had a use case value beyond the medium of exchange. But we haven't done that for a very long time. And you know, we went off the gold standard over 40 years ago and most people these days don't actually carry gold. And if they did, they're not gonna be, you know, using it as a medium of exchange. Gold today serves as a store of value. Okay,
1: excellent. I think that's pretty clear. And we talk about medium of exchanges in terms of maybe I don't want your wheat, uh, you don't want my fish, but also we have a timing problem as well. Like I might want to buy fish, uh, sorry, I might want to sell my fish, but not today, maybe in a week's time. So those are the things you're talking about, seashells and wood and all that kind of stuff solves that problem as well. So without going too much into the weeds, let's move on to our other properties of money. And another property of money is unit
0: of account. What the heck is that? So unit of account or what I'd like to refer to as divisibility. So with gold, the reason gold has proven to be such a reliable um, currency for several thousand years is one, it's actually very easy to test gold. It's very cheap and simple to figure out is this real gold or not. But also you can just melt it down into smaller accounts. So you can have the big bar, which most people are familiar with. Uh, You have an ingot, which is a smaller bar, and then you have gold coins. So if we're trading and if I wanna buy a large sum from you, I'd give you a gold bar. If I'm just buying something smaller, we'd have smaller gold coins. So that's a unit of account. Same with cash, you know, a $100 bill down to your one penny in America. So, and this is what people don't realize with Bitcoin, is Bitcoin actually has eight decimal points. So people are still under the um, mistaken impression that you need to buy an entire Bitcoin. You know, people think, I don't have $8,000, $10,000 to buy one Bitcoin. Well, you can buy $50 worth, $20 worth even. And with eight decimal points, well, that means that should Bitcoin eventually get to $1 million, then those last two decimal points would actually act as um, 10 cents. So that's the big what-if scenario if Bitcoin gets to that. So unit of account is, can it be broken down to basically um, smaller values? Not smaller values, but smaller increments of said value. That's where unit of account comes in. And again, this is actually where Bitcoin beats gold.
1: Actually, with um, going down to the eighth decimal point and one Satoshi, in terms of Bitcoin main chain, that's as far as you can go. But actually with side chains and even with uh, liquid and, lightning networks we could actually go to sub satoshi so i don't think that's going to be a problem the divisibility problem of once we have bitcoin in you know a billion dollars some of that um, we can't actually use it anymore because even the smallest amount is uh, too high in value i actually thought that unit of account also referred to what you actually price your goods as so if you went onto a store today even if that store accepted bitcoin they would probably have the price in u.s dollar and just convert that into you know 0. 0.00075 Bitcoin instead of the other way around, actually just price things in Bitcoin and not even worry about the whatever the price is in US dollar? Or am I off the track?
0: No, I actually completely answered the wrong question. <laughs> I actually scrolled down. I answered the divisibility question. So yeah, unit of account um, basically means what you just said. So we're in Australia. So a dollar in Melbourne, we are in Melbourne. Um, it's worth the exact same as a dollar in Sydney. Um, you go to Japan; hundred yen in Tokyo is the same as hundred yen in Osaka. So, unit of account means it's exchangeable, um, basically within um, similar geographical regions. So, with that, if I wanted to take my Australian dollars to Japan, I wouldn't have to exchange them into Japanese yen. So, Australian so currencies these days a unit of account. Is only applicable within a nation state. Obviously, that does not apply for the euro. So you've got a regional unit of account there. So Bitcoin is actually the first international unit of account. Oh, well, it's not the first, but it is now the most reliable one, and it's considered in the top forty global currencies. Um, as far as it's called market cap, but that's not the best way of explaining it. But as far as traded volume, yet yeah, Bitcoin is now. Yeah, at least in the top 40, maybe even higher as far as currency is being traded. And it is truly a global um, um, currency that has a global unit of account.
1: Our next property in terms of money is portability. So we obviously can transfer Bitcoins. What about gold? Is gold portable? it seems like Bitcoin's got an enormous advantage over gold.
0: Yeah, so gold is portable. And uh, another reason gold has been used as a store of value and a currency for thousands of years is because um, it's durable, which we'll go into later. Um, but also, if you were to look at the table of the elements, there's not many metals that you can use. Um, you want something that's not going to decay. You can't use anything that has uranium in it um, or it has radiation properties in it. So gold has been proven simple and reliable. Um, But as far as portable, if you want to transfer a lot of gold, it is very heavy. Cost a lot to obviously send something. When you send something overseas, you're paying by the weight. So gold is heavy, um, the uh, the more value it is. And with Bitcoin, like I read this morning, um, someone transferred a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin for a fee of less than $80. To do the same thing in gold, you're talking about Several, several thousands of dollars. So gold has quite a shortcoming when it comes to transportability. Um, yeah, to transfer anywhere around the world is very expensive and not not convenient. With Bitcoin, um, when was the last time you saw someone on a train, in a library, at an airport, not staring at a mobile phone? How long have you gone without having your mobile phone in your pocket? And with Bitcoin, it is like having a bank in your pocket, not just an account, but your own bank. So there is nothing simpler than transferring Bitcoin from one person to another.
1: If Bitcoin became super, super popular and essentially used as the global unit of account, the fees could be pretty high. Does that decrease Bitcoin's portability?
0: Well, first of all, I, I don't know if the fees would get higher. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if the... I think the more people use it, the higher the network effect. Because um, to me, increased volume would probably lead to lower fees because it would open up competition. Um, I don't see it decreasing its portability. If anything, I said increasing because there's still a lot of people that are not, not into Bitcoin. The There's quite a gap in demographics as to who's... Um, interested in Bitcoin. And I say interested because only five to 7% of global population even own any cryptocurrencies. Um, And a lot of people made the mistake of buying altcoins instead of Bitcoin. So we are still very, very early days as far as Bitcoin adoption. Um, And we got to remember we still haven't finished mining all Bitcoins. Um, The year 2140 is when we're expected to complete The mining process where the last bitcoin will be released so still early days i don't see i see portability of bitcoin um getting easier um it's it is easy once you know what you're doing but there's still a huge knowledge gap how do i get into how do i buy bitcoin how do i send it to someone that is still a huge knowledge gap there and you mentioned a few side chains and all that and like there is so much for people to learn about bitcoin and It is growing at such a rapid pace that it's kind of like in volume eight when people are still trying to figure out the introduction to volume one.
1: So our next property of money is divisibility, which we've already kind of covered, but what is the difference between gold and Bitcoin?
0: So yeah, I sort of covered divisibility. There's a problem when um, early January, we're in kind of holiday mode, Um, (laughs) catching up back into work. So with divisibility, again, it's... um, one of those things in Bitcoin is that people are just simply unaware that Bitcoin can be divisible into much smaller segments. And with what Gordon mentioned earlier is one of the big hurdles to Bitcoin is people were like, I can't buy coffee with it. It takes too long. Well, things like the lightning network, which we've addressed in other podcasts, solve that problem. But a lot of people are now see Bitcoin more of a store of value, even though it's an excellent currency. Um, There's a thing called Gresham's law where you wanna save the good money, but get rid of the cheap money. And fiat currency, this is currency issued by governments, it's actually designed to lose value. This is why we have inflation, because they want you to spend money. They, you know, if you put cash under your blanket, you come back five years later, it's still there, but it's lost money. Especially now where we've got $17 trillion of negative yielding bonds. So what that means is if you give your money to the government, you buy a bond, you come back a year later, they're going to give you less money than what you put in. So cash is designed to lose value.
1: Okay, last but not least in our properties of money is fungibility. And I won't give you my opinion until after you have answered the question, but
0: this could perhaps be controversial. So fungible is essentially how easy can you transfer it from one owner to another. Cash is very fungible i can just hang on cash and that's it so i've given it to him it's in my wallet was in my wallet now it's in his gold is fungible as well it is a lot more awkward for gold to be fungible the why gold has been so popular again is it stands a test of time so in essence gold can be at the bottom of an ocean bring it up um, clean it and it doesn't cost much to clean gold And it's back to its original state. So incredibly fungible. Silver is very similar, but the process of cleaning silver actually decays the silver a little bit itself. So you kind of lose some of that um, that value there. So this is where gold has been excellent. It stands the test of time. Uh, People don't believe Bitcoin is fungible. And the many arguments that I hear is if we have a global um, EMP, electromagnetic pulse. It wipes out the global internet. Well, Bitcoin is irrelevant. And I kind of laugh at that because if we have a global EMP, I don't know how that would actually happen. But if we did, how we pay for things would be the least of our concerns. Um Yeah, some people think, well, at least I'll have gold in my pocket to go up to the shops and pay for stuff. (laughs) I don't see that happening in this post-apocalyptic world (laughs) where we don't have any internet. If you're probably going to want to stand in line and pay for something, that's not going to happen. But anyways, Blockstream has actually put the blockchain on a satellite dish and just using one of the old um, TV antennas, satellite dish antennas, you can pick it up and download the blockchain to a computer. So... The blockchain is there and it's not going to go anywhere. And to me, Bitcoin is... So here's where we have, again, a generational gap or a demographic argument. Um, Some people like gold because they can see it, they can feel it, they can hold it. They don't trust Bitcoin because it's just numbers in the air and that's how they see it. Now, to me, Bitcoin is actually based on the world's most universal language, and that's math. You write down 1 plus 1 equals 2. You show that to someone, and yep, they'll understand it. But I can't read Mandarin. I can't read Cyrillic. I can't read many other languages. But those languages I described, we use the same numbers. And if something is written down, well, to me, it's there and it's proof. Like, we've got the hieroglyphics and the pyramids. We've got caves in Indonesia where they think that those patterns were written 30,000 years ago. So there is proof of value, proof of work in something written down. And there is no greater um, universal language than mathematics. And that's what Bitcoin is based on. It's not based on the proof of work of, we discovered a mine in South Africa, a big corporation came in, dug it, got the mine out, and that's your proof of work, that gold at the end of it. The proof of work in Bitcoin is a mathematical formula. Here was an equation that we put a lot of energy, a lot of computer hashing power and network into solving this equation. That equation is recorded in the blockchain. That's the proof of work. So to me, this is the beauty of Bitcoin. It's based on math. Math is truly the world's most universal language.
1: Okay, but if I receive a $5 note from you or from someone else in my wallet, and I use that $5 note to buy something at the shops i don't know why we're always talking about bakeries and coffees but anyway <laughs> i'm gonna buy a coffee that shopkeeper as long as it's not a counterfeit or ripped in half or whatever would accept that five dollar note even if i received that from a drug dealer or that was used in a crime and was blood on it and washed it off or some of that so regardless of the past history of that note it would be accepted so i'd say the five dollar note is fungible is bitcoin fungible
0: So, yes, it is. And this is where Bitcoin actually has even more of an advantage. Let's say I give you that $5 note. And let's say tomorrow, you don't see that $5 note in your wallet. You get back to me like, Ferris, you never gave me that $5 note. I say, well, yes, I did. But I can't prove that I gave it to you, can I? Whereas with Bitcoin, everything is recorded. It's recorded in the blockchain. So I can prove that I gave that to you. Now, the shopkeeper might not accept Bitcoin. So at this stage is why earlier on, I actually believe that Bitcoin is seen more as a store of value than a currency. It's designed to be a currency. Not everyone's accepting it. So I actually don't believe that Bitcoin, even though it is a currency, will be accepted as such for a very long time because it's a store of value. And Today, a lot of Bitcoiners celebrate the um, pizza day in Bitcoin, where the first recorded commercial transaction on the blockchain, not between two parties, but for a good or a service, was when someone spent 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas. And people keep track of how much should that 10,000 Bitcoins be worth today. So yes, it is fungible. It's not mentally accepted as such or not culturally accepted as that yet because people are thinking why would I want to spend my bitcoins when it could be worth so much more in the future
1: so I agree with that and we're going down a rabbit hole which we may uh, edit this part out but one of the things which I'm not too sure about is that at the moment there are a lot of ways to increase your privacy have a listen to our next podcast episode on privacy and one of the ways to do it is to call, do something called a coin join or a coin mixing, which is basically put your Bitcoins in a pool with you know 200 other people and mix them around and then you've got other Bitcoins. So basically they can't be tracked on the blockchain. So there are Bitcoins that have been through a coin join and now certain exchanges like Coinbase and I think Bitstamp are now actually not accepting coin join Bitcoins that have been through a coin join. Uh, also, there are problems with uh, exchanges accepting and going into coin joins. But conversely, there are coins that are minted by the miners that don't have any history whatsoever. So if you compare one Bitcoin that's come directly from a miner, mining reward, there's actually no transactional history on that from the blockchain versus a coin join Bitcoin that has gone through 10,000 transactions and 50 people and this and that. Um, To me, that could actually create... Perhaps not now, but in the future, a market where one Bitcoin is not the same as another Bitcoin. Therefore, Bitcoin is not fungible.
0: Yeah, that's that's very possible. Um, and again, you probably have Gresham's law falling within Bitcoin, where people would be, gladly get rid of the Bitcoins that have been tainted, but keep the ones that have been untainted. So the laws of Bitcoin are still fungible. It's whether society is choosing to liquidate those coins is a different story. Um, Yeah, we had the same thing happen after the Peloponnesian Wars where uh, the government went into so much debt um, that they started mixing copper in their gold coins. So what happened, people kept the gold coins, the pure gold coins, and would spend the copper ones. Yeah, so I think people will determine if something is fungible or not. So Bitcoin is designed to be determined. Same thing with gold. Gold is easily, not easily fungible. It is fungible, but inconveniently fungible. And people just don't do it because of the cost involved. Um, So if that happens, look to me, Bitcoin is a store of value story designed to be a peer to peer currency works very well as a peer to peer currency. Um, commercially not yet because people just still do not understand it, and that's one of the main reasons people don't invest in bitcoin is they just don't understand it so this is still very early days um yeah if you want to go back there's a great youtube clip of david letterman interviewing bill gates and just making fun of the internet that internet thing is not going to be around anymore is it the millennium bug was all going to crash so yeah, it's still very early days for Bitcoin. There's still a bit of what-ifs, concerns. But at the end of the day, there is, it is an amazing store of value story. And the main thing about Bitcoin is supply is capped at 21 million coins. And we don't know how much gold there is in the world. We don't know. How, I mean, with diamonds, people can't tell the difference now between a fake diamond and a real diamond. Um, they're using peanut butter to make fake diamonds. And the professionals under a microscope cannot tell you the difference. With Bitcoin, you can't fake a Bitcoin. You just can't.
1: So you've answered my next question, which is store of value. And uh, who knows, maybe they're mining ast- mining asteroids in a couple of years and find some gold, and that could affect the uh, total supply. So in the end, what is the difference between Bitcoin and gold? Is one better than the other? Why, why not?
0: So again, for me personally, I'll just reiterate: I use gold as an analogy to help people understand Bitcoin. Um, I think it's worthwhile owning both gold and Bitcoin, and the reason being is um, macroeconomics. So we're living in an area, an era now, of central banks have basically decimated interest rates to the point where we have negative interest rates. Um, so. Baby Beamer's retiring, thought if I have a million dollars in the bank, I'm getting 5% a year, I can live off 50 grand a year. Well, what's happened is now that 50 grand is half. At best, it's half. So there's no value in cash anymore. There's no value in interest because there is no interest. So this is where um, I believe gold and Bitcoin are actually going to start doing very well because if inflation doesn't pick up, gold and Bitcoin will do really well. And... The store of value for me in Bitcoin is the, the capped supply. 21 million Bitcoins, that's it. We presume 5 to 7 million have already been lost. So the capped supply is the store of value. And governments are literally printing money to save banks. We had, If you want to find out more about this in detail, just find out what's happening in the repo markets where governments are printing money and handing it to banks because they know something is wrong in the system. They don't know what. So they're just printing billions of dollars and handing it to these banks just to plug plug a hole, which they don't know where the hole came from. So in this kind of era of quantitative easing, low interest rates, money printing, the store values in something where it's very hard to create, and you know there can only be a certain amount created.
1: So what you're saying is, buy Bitcoin, buy gold, don't store cash under your mattress exactly thanks ferris and thanks everyone for listening if you learn anything from today we would appreciate a five-star rating and a review on itunes unfortunately even if you don't use itunes like myself i'm an android that's really the number one place to get us noticed so we would certainly appreciate that until next time see you everyone thanks everyone thanks for watching or listening please visit coincompass.com free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking and following helps this content remain ad free. Until next time.